A Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show presented by Maxis Tires and Renthal on RacerXOnline.com. With your continued support of our sponsors, we have surpassed 1,500 podcasts delivered with over 15 million downloads. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out. Donate via Patreon if it suits you. As always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Soundcheck Podcast. Yeah, that's right. Soundcheck coming in. Hot. Uh, we're going to ramp these up again. i got a few different guys that are going to do them. I'm looking forward to uh, to having them on here. Fly Racing, flyracing.com. Please check them out on the web and uh, you know check out their latest 2021 stuff as well. Their, their light pant has no more zippers, just a boa on the front, so that's a pretty cool idea. And, uh, of course, the Evo line has been redone and re, uh, redesigned and as well. The Formula CC helmet, same great safety features as the Formula helmet, just a different shell and therefore a little bit different price. But whether it's the Formula Helmet or the Formula CC, the guys at Fly Racing will have you covered. Zach Osborne, of course, won the 450 Motocross Championship this past summer, and I would say there's no way that he would have won if he was not wearing Fly. So uh, with that, let's get into uh, also the folks at Maxxis.com. UTV tires, dirt bike tires, mountain bike tires, Maxxis.com for more information on that. Rod Bell character uh, absolutely crushed it this summer using Maxxis tires. And, of course, uh, A-Ray as well who is a favorite rider of Swap Moto Live, guys, as we all know. Thank you to Renthal, the undisputed global leader in manufacturing design since 69. Renthal has become notorious for a relentless obsession to detail and quality through their commitment to produce the finest products on the market today. Fat Bar 36 came out in January. They got the regular Fat Bar. They got the Twin Wall Bar. They got the sold 7 8 Trusty Bar as well. Renthal.com, grips, sprockets, chains, bars. Welcome to the winning world of Renthal. Grab life by the bars uh, from those guys. Please check them out if you want some information on that. Uh, thank you to those companies. And speaking of Swap Moto Live, the, the debut the, the debut of the Sound Check episodes part two starts with Swap Moto Live's Michael Antonovich. Anton, what's up, man? How are you? What's going on? Uh, thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. Of course. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people know I really like music. And yes. I actually did something similar to this back in the day at Transworld. I would have guys pick a mixtape and then tell me their songs. But I would never ask them questions about it. I would just tell them to pick a list. Right, so right. It's always cool to see how music is because, like, you and I both, we listen to so much music all the time. That's all that's ever on. Yeah, pretty much. I'm a huge music guy, huge concert guy. This COVID thing sucks balls for concerts, obviously. Uh, my wife and I love to go. And these 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 uh, podcasts proved more popular than I thought they would be. I get a lot of people asking me about you know when are you going to do more, what's going to happen, uh, blah blah blah. So hopefully uh, we can line some people up to do these. And I knew that you'd be a good choice. Um, and I just the only thing I told you was just not too much rap. And it's nothing against the rap. I just don't know about anything about it. I can't speak about it, and I don't find it that interesting for our audience. I think so. Uh, thank you for that. 
Oh, yeah, no, and I totally figured that as well. Um, that's why I, the last, you know, two songs are rap songs. Um, but honestly, all of this list kind of goes in progression of how my tastes have matured yep. over the years or mm-hmm. changed, not matured. Right. They've probably gotten worse to a lot of people. But, uh, yeah, it's just, it's cool. I mean, it's it's just a different thing. And it also kind of depends on, like, where I was in life yeah. of what I was listening to. But, yeah, thank you. Sorry that I gave you 15 instead of 10. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand. You broke the rules right off the bat. I said 10 songs, and you, you just sent me 15. I just Yeah, I, you, you told me Saturday when I was trying to walk out of a hotel room, so I uh, okay. went in one year and out Yeah, the other. yeah, yeah. Right. No, no, no breaking the rules. The only person we broke the rules for was uh, Bo Bamberg because it was it came to Van Halen. And so yeah, he, of he's allowed to break the rules for Van Halen. But but other than that, it is uh, 10 songs, one per artist, uh, and that is it. And I have to say, well, Anton, before we get into that, uh, your first concert, your first concert you ever went to and your best concert you ever went to. First concert I ever went to, like kind of by myself, was the 2004 Warp Tour in St. Louis. I mean, hell yeah, of course I went. Um, and that, that really is heavy in that first part of the list. I was a big scene kid. Like full tight jeans, mm-hmm. small t-shirts. There's a stack of concert t-shirts, probably like 60, 70 high from when I was in high school that I could still probably wear. They're all size small. Yeah. Um, we were at, there was a couple different bars in St. Louis that my mom would take me to. Uh, Mississippi Nights was like probably one of the more popular ones, but the best one to go to was this place called the Creepy Crawl. Um, that place was badass. It would be, you'd go in there in July, it'd be like 150 degrees. There was no air conditioning. There was no fan <laughs> dude. So you would come out of there looking like someone had hosed you down uh, from so much sweat. Yeah. But I saw so many bands come through there that at the time were just so important and they were cool cause they were young guys like me. And some of them went on to become dude, some of the biggest, like most influential artists in our in our current generation, like Panic at the Disco, which is a Vegas band, and you probably have no idea about them. No, I do. Yep, yep, Vegas band. Okay. I'm aware. Panic at the Disco got signed to this record label um, managed by Pete Wentz, which is, yep. he was the bass player in the first band that I picked. But their, like, third ever show was one that I saw. Like, they got put right in, and then within, you know, six months of them touring off their first album, they mm-hmm. were a major label hit. And then now he's writing songs for, like, Taylor Swift and Ariana Grande and all these other people. So it's just cool to see how all of that stuff has yep. progressed on. I love the music industry thing. Like, from from record labels, I know all about that stuff. I've yeah. read music magazines, the business behind, like, booking venues. And even this week, I watched a couple music documentaries about, like, Oasis. Yeah. Because all that stuff is so interesting. I mean, it's, it's a huge part of our culture. Right, yeah, behind the music, love those things. I've read a ton of mm-hmm. autobiographies uh, about about bands uh, and all that stuff. You're, I'm with you on that. Uh, the Beginnings of MTV was a great book as well, uh, an oral history mm-hmm. of MTV and everything else. Um, what's your favorite concert you've ever been to? Um, that's so hard to say. I know, I know. I, I, it's, it's, so, it's so hard. Well, give me like, a couple memorable ones. Okay. Um, I want to say it was like 2005. Uh, I went to the... I want to say it was the Taste of Chaos tour. Yeah. So the Taste of Chaos with My Chemical Romance and The Used were like split headliners. And those were like the two big scene bands of the time. Very uh, dark hair and like just rock and hot topic. Under Oath was this hardcore band from Florida. And they were just everybody's favorite in my area. And I went downstairs to get to like go to the bathroom. And when I came back through, they were doing an autograph signing at their table. And so I waited in line and got my ticket signed. And um, while I was getting my ticket signed, my little brother called me, and Kyle was at the show, too, with my mom. 
And he's like, hey, where are you? And I told him where I was. And the drummer for Under Oath took the phone from me and then started talking to my brother on the phone. <laughs> so this, like, you know, the big drummer of yeah. the big band in the, in the spot at that time is talking to my 10-year-old brother on the telephone. Nice. Um, find out, like, 10 years later, uh, my wife was also at that show. And so that's just a really cool thing. Yep. We never knew that we were there until, like, years later I told her that story. And she's like, wait, where were you at? And I told her. Um, so that was huge. I'm super fortunate that I always got to go to shows. There's maybe three groups that I don't, uh, I can't ever say that I'll probably ever get to see. Yeah. But every one of them that was on here, brand new, that was like the last checkmark band that I had to uh, see. Oh, was it? And yeah, I, yeah. And I saw them in 2000, I want to say it was 16 with my wife in LA. And it was awesome. And then they were set to split up uh, a few years ago and then some things happened with the lead singer and some like past allegations and they went off to her uh they are pretty much on hiatus forever now yep yep so, so that sucked um but then the other big one too would probably be uh freddie gibbs freddie gibbs was like one of the last concerts i went to and i got to see morrissey it was cool because i got to go to so many shows in st louis and in chicago right. because it's not a far drive for me and then living in California for eight years, I got to go to shows, you know, in San Diego, in L.A., and some of, like, the most defined spots in the alternative music culture. Uh, I even gone to shows in Portland, like when we're up there for yeah. Washougal. Yep. I'll sneak off and run to a concert real quick. Nice. No, it's, it's, uh, that's cool. Uh, and always, as always, seeing these bands that you love in these venues, and you're seeing these guys before they hit it big, or you're seeing them just because they're not that big, you're seeing them in these venues that are just absolutely rural. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. just the small stuff. Uh, I can relate to that. It's 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 phenomenal as opposed to a big stadium show or whatever. You know? It's yeah, the stadium thing. Like I just I, the biggest place that I would go to would be like a concert hall. Like there's a place in St. Louis called the Pageant. There's a couple mm -hmm. places in San Diego. Right. But like if it's over like three thousand people, it's not as good. Like right. anything bigger than the House of Blues, you start losing it. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. That's why when you see a band like U2 or whatever, which I'm a big fan of, you see them and. It's awesome. It's great, but you're just you. You know, it's just not quite the same as as the small venues for sure. Um, now, I got your list in front of me, and absolutely shocked that Morrissey or the Smiths are not on this list. That had to yeah, been. They, yeah, that, they are. Oh, sorry, the Smiths are. Yes, Morrissey. Yeah, I should say solo Morrissey. Absolutely yeah. shocked that you couldn't squeeze one in. Uh, it came down to a decision, and the Smith song I picked is by far the better, uh, you know, of the two. I love Morrissey. I really do. But honestly, like, the Smiths as a group are amazing. Johnny Marr was awesome. Yeah. Uh, just such a good guitarist. He had such a unique sound. Uh, Andy Rourke and, and everybody that went through there. And the story of the Smiths is so interesting, too, because they all ended up hating each other. And it's always been the will they ever get back together. Yeah group like every yeah. year at coachella that's the talk are they going to come back <laughs> is there enough money for them to do it together i right. mean yeah so all of that i mean they had tupac come back before they got the smiths to come back so isn't it, what's that say isn't it just insane how these bands whether it's the, the new order guys whether it's the smiths whether it's you name them van halen uh back like you, they just they cannot make things work it almost when you look at a band like you two that have been together for 40 years or or the tragically hip were together for 30 years or, or whatever that's the the rare part these guys can't divide up the money and or credit enough oasis or any just pick them to, to keep this thing together it's phenomenal you know it's just and, 
And you would think, too, like, the playbook is right there. You're going to see what everybody else has gone through. Yeah. Every situation yeah. is the same. And I know that we're not allowed to have a lot of moto parallel talk here, but it's, it's the same thing. You get to see how these people are. You get to see the same characters come through, mm-hmm. and you would get to judge for yourself who's trustworthy and who's not, yeah. what labels are good or not, yeah. what, how you would want to go through these contracts and – they just don't. They instantly all get wound up, and then five years later, everybody's ready to kill each other. It, it is just the repeat thing. Just that's these bands fall for the same shit all the time, you know. And uh, yeah, what are you gonna do though? That's how. That's how. That's how the music industry rolls. There's no other mm-hmm. way around it. Um, it's so, so interesting. Okay, so besides uh, Morrissey, uh, who would have counted, even though you had dismissed Morrissey, counts as a, as because a, as, it's solo. Um, who else didn't make it that that, that crushed you? Um, story of the year, that was going to be the very first song, uh, because that's a St. Louis band. That was like the introduction into alternative music for me. I was yep. like 13, yep. um, came like at a super key time, you know, you just start getting into high school, all that stuff. Uh, the video for until the day I die, which was their first single was shot at the creepy crawl in St. Louis. So every time that you walked into that venue, you were, or you saw it on TV, like on fuse or on MTV two, you're just like, Holy shit. I go there. Oh my God. Right, you know, right. the, the, if you ever see that video, like if you care enough to look it up, the lead singer, Dan is in the back room and it is the most like beat to hell room. It is so terrible, like terrible. The bathroom in that place was so terrible Everything about it should have been a condemned building, yeah, yeah. but you just couldn't wait to get in there. You yeah, know, yeah, when right. you were standing in line waiting to get in, you would be worried that you were going to get robbed the whole time. It was awesome. <laughs> it was great. It was fantastic. It was awesome. <laughs> right, right, right. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Uh, any moto talk or let's just move on, right? Let's, we're not doing moto talk. I, uh, just, just because uh, you asked who else didn't make the cut, I did leave a lot of rap-offs. I like Drake a lot, as does everybody, so I, I clipped that because yep. nobody gives a shit. Um, but I'm big. I like that. You know, that's good. The weekend's good too. That yep. was another one that had to clip it. Yep. Um, the one other one that I cut was this band from Illinois called the junior varsity. Okay. Probably no one has ever heard of them, No. Um, but they were signed to, they're from Springfield, Illinois, which is like an hour and a half from me. And, uh, they were signed to victory records, which was the, one of the labels to be signed to in the early two thousands. But, Tony Victory, the guy that ran it, is uh, known very well through the music industry for his shady dealing. And uh, you never hear too much about some of those bands. But the Junior Varsity, for it being just a couple stoner kids from Springfield, Illinois, their first album is incredible. It, it's probably one of my favorite ones ever. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, there's so many other things that are in there. Mm-hmm. And then also, I was a huge Kanye West fan. Um, but just how these things are going right now, kind of hard to separate the artist from everything else but kanye was huge when i was a teenager like pink polos all that stuff kanye common him being on Chappelle's show doing all the stuff he did yep i really really like kanye but he's too he's too goddamn crazy now <laughs> it's yeah I, I, it's I'm just too you, much right i get i don't know i don't know how these at some point artists start thinking they're messiahs right and they can do anything they can do anything. They, I think they think. You know what I mean? It's not just Kanye. It's it's it's. It's a lot of. It's them. a lot of them where they're just like, and yeah, even man, the U2 like, thing. you know, what? even the U two thing. Like us being such fans of U two and vocal critics of U two. Like the first thing that anybody's going to go with is like, well, they gave me that uh, album on my phone that I didn't want through iTunes, and it's like, well, yeah, that's one career misstep in an otherwise like very noteworthy career. Yeah, no, for sure, and and 
spoiler alert, you have a U2 song on here, which I 100% believe you just did it because of me. No. Okay. Uh, I've, uh, had, I've had the Joshua Tree poster on my wall since I was like 16. Okay. All right. All right. Song number one, Soundcheck, Michael Antonovich from Swap Moto Live. Uh, let's get into this, shall we? Here we go. from fallout boy just a just a classic band anton yep absolutely i look at these guys as sort of ushering uh, ushering in that style of music totally um and the background of that band is unbelievable uh i it was one of those groups that i got to see come up you know as a as a young kid got to see them live a bunch of times saw them at warp tour that first year that 2004 warp tour uh they were playing the entry stage as we walked in and i was just like yeah this is good i, I like this band <laughs> And then, uh, yeah, within a couple years, they are one of the biggest bands on earth. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, right? They were huge. And what are they still? What are they doing now? Like, I don't Um, feel like I hear anything. Yeah, it's not as much, and it's kind of unfortunate because it's like any band. When they kind of stick around too long, you start to get disinterested in them, or you don't kind of like where it's going, or whatever. They get too ambitious, and so there's like one album after. I think it's two thousand seven or 2008 that I don't, I don't listen to them anymore after that, just because I'm not into it. Yeah. Um, Pete Wentz has gone on to do quite a few things. I mean, being married yep. to Ashley Simpson was his claim to fame, right. but he's still pretty actively involved in the music industry. Um, Joe Throman is the rhythm or the lead guitarist, him and Andy Hurley had a band with Scotty Ann from Anthrax and, Andy Hurley was the drummer, and so it was just all these kingpins. I have no idea. Hard... I don't know what you're... that really happened. <laughs> Those two guys, yeah. uh, another uh, person from later on the list from Every Time I Die, Keith Buckley, the lead singer, uh, and the guys from Anthrax have this um, super group <laughs> called the Damn Things, and they've oh, only okay. put out I think one or two albums. Yeah, it yeah. rips. They oh. fucking rip. Huh. But yeah. Um, so yeah, like those guys, I, I really love the lyrics of Fall Out Boy, especially mm-hmm. at that era, because that was the jumping off band for 14-year-old Anton. Yeah, 100%. 100%. 100%. I could see that for sure. Yeah. Uh, all right, here we go. Next one up uh, on your sound check. Here we go.
It's uh, brand new, The Quiet Things That No One Ever Knows. And that one has been picked before, I think, by Daniel Blair. Uh, but it was a big song, Anton. Big song. And that's, that's kind of like one of the other defining bands in the group, too, um, in the list. Everybody's a big fan of Brand New. Like, if you like alternative music from that era, that group was on your radar. Um, But then it was also like a Beatles versus Elvis thing. Did you like Brand New or did you like uh, Taking Back Sunday? Yeah. I liked Brand New more. Yeah. More people like Taking Back Sunday. um, And it was funny because the rivalry between both of those groups, uh, Andy, or no, Adam Lazar, the lead singer for Taking Back Sunday, and then Jesse Lacey, the lead singer and guitarist for Brand New, they were really good friends. But then one of them slept with the other one's sister, and then there was some other, like, (laughs) cheating going on and some other things like that. And then Taking Back Sunday's claim to fame was that uh, Adam would spin the microphone, like, super fast and gnarly on stage. He actually knocked himself out one time with it. So then Brand New, in retaliation to that, because they hated each other so much, had this T-shirt that said, mics are for singing, not swinging. And if you wore that shirt, it was like an instant F you to anybody yeah, yeah. at Warped Tour. Right, it was right. sick. <laughs> and you could see all of it play out on MySpace, which was just so oh, badass at the time. Right, right. Um, yeah, I think, I don't know if you remember, but you, you've listened to him. I think it was Blair. Someone picked this one, of course. It was, I mean, it was a big song. It was huge. But uh, yeah. I think Blair picked it. And I, I ha- I've had, I've got some stuff, some brand new on my iPod. Um and I've had, I don't know, 30 people tell me, you got to listen to Brand New. You know what I mean? Like, it's been highly recommended to me. I can never totally dive in and get into it. But um, definitely, there's a lot of people out there that are like, you got to listen to these guys. So, And over the history of their, like, existence was so varied. Because the first album um, was really just good power punk, like, really good, just, like, high-energy stuff. And then the second album, which is what this one is off of, was a little bit more subdued and a little bit more matured. And then the third album, The Devil and God Are Raging Inside Me, which is my by far favorite album, like life-changing one for sure, it is a complete different direction. And just to read up on the history of how that thing came together, they had recorded a full other album at this haunted house, and then all these like strange, eerie things happened, and then they were so displeased with it that they ultimately scrapped it and then went and recorded the different album instead. But yeah, Brand New was is yep. the band. And every time they came through St. Louis or wherever I was, I would never get to go see them. So it took like 10 years for me to see them live finally. Where and they, they ripped. Where are they from? Long Island. Long Island. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Next up. Here we go.
Paper Thin Him from Anne Berlin. Uh, I don't know. I've heard of Anne Berlin, uh, Anton, but I don't know anything really about them, and I've never heard this song. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, this is... Um, hey, there's like a weird echo on your end. It sounds like you're in a wind tunnel. Okay. Is it better now? Yeah, it's better now. Okay. Um, yeah, they're a Florida band, um, kind of like a more of a Christian group back in the day. So um, there was a pretty popular, like Christian music was, was a big thing and alternative in the early 2000s, and they were signed to Tooth and Nail, which was pretty much a Christian label. Uh, but Amberlynn Rips, they were the opening act on the Nintendo Fusion Tour that Story of the Year headlined in 2004. And when we went to go see them in St. Louis, that was the first band that was playing when I walked in. And I had heard a little bit about them, but then seeing them live, I was like instantly drawn to them. Because for a young band that nobody had ever heard of, mm -hmm. like they had that big sound, like the big, big sound, which I'm a huge fan of. I love that like stadium rock style. Yeah, you can tell that these first three bands of yours are very mm -hmm. similar, Anton. They're very similar. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, but then Anne Berlin, just like they could command a stage and they were so high energy and like style over the years because they had a pretty long run. It was like over 10 years. I would think that a lot of my haircuts are probably inspired by that band. Um, that one of their songs was the first dance that me and my wife had at our wedding. Like I'd seen that band in person live more than any other group. And it's probably like over 15 times. Really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. I love that band. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Check it out, man. Um, all right. Next up. Here we go. You might have to pronounce this one for me, Anton, the uh, the name of the song. But here we go. Okay. And I miss you. That's uh, Pachuca Sunrise. Did I say that right? By Minus the Bear, Anton? As far as I know, that's correct, yeah. Okay. Pachu Unless I've been saying it wrong my whole life, too. <laughs> Pachuca Sunrise. Minus the Bear. Uh, interesting. I don't think it was you, Anton, but somebody made me a CD. Of that was me. That was you. Okay, that you're like, hey, me. Matthews, yeah. you would dig these guys. And I thought it was good. I, I remember listening to it. I didn't get into it by any means, but I'm like, yeah, this is good. And then, you know who else is a Minus the Bear fan, Anton? Who's that? David Villeman. Really? Yeah. Oh, Villeman likes Radiohead, though, so I would expect that. Okay, yeah. Villeman is a – I don't know how big of a Minus a Bear fan is, but he is he's on board. Yeah. Uh, they're good. They're a Seattle group. Uh, a lot of guys in, like, prog rock-expired bands back in the 90s and stuff, so you can tell that, that they have that sound in the, in the guitar effects especially. But really, really creative and just great lyrics. That song, um, I remember – 
playing it when I went to Sicily a few years ago and like it just summed the like the moment up perfectly and I was like holy shit I've listened to this song for 10 years and I totally get it now <laughs> that's funny that's funny um have you ever saw him in concert yeah a couple times yeah I uh, saw him in San Diego and it was cool they played at this place um I'm drawing a blank on the name right now. I could think of it. It's an Encinitas, or uh, yeah, an Encinitas. Okay. Or, and it just they ripped. You know, they had just a big cult following. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw them in San Diego both times. I wish I had seen them in other places because it's cool. But like the San Diego bro show culture that kind of would follow them, like a big surf culture. You know. Okay, yeah, yeah. Whereas I yeah. feel if you went to a different place, like if you went to Seattle or Portland where they're from, it'd be like a hippie-ish culture or whatever. But yeah, they rip. They're they're so good live. Uh, they split up a couple years ago. I mean, when you're in your 40s and you're still in like a club band, right? You gotta, they you gotta kind of balance the pros and cons. But they were cool too because they owned all of their their uh, all their masters, you know. And not a lot of people can say that, but they had the mindfulness to do that, and then had an imprint label. They produce really cool special vinyl. They'll do mm-hmm. acoustics. They do a lot of different stuff because that's what like the fundamental of the independent industry is, is, you know, you have to do these creative things that make your fans really inspired. Right. Right. Oh, all right. Uh, Fly racing racer X podcast sound check episode with Michael Antonovich from swap moto live presented by the folks at Renthal And of course the folks at Maxis as well. I also want to point out uh, the decal 500 coming up decal works guys. It's a monthly contest. You can win $500 decal works gift card by submitting a photo of your bike with the decal works graphics or number plates. On in your Decal MX account, so please check that out. They're giving away five hundred dollars. Uh, log into your Decal MX account. Go to the Decal five hundred tab. Fill out the info. Upload your best photo. Click submit. Decalworks.com for more information on that. Um, this next one's kind of a shocker, Anton. This came out of nowhere. Very surprising. Okay. But uh, let's dig into this. Cougar, not John Cougar Mellencamp, not John Mellencamp, but when he was John Cougar, I think this is mm-hmm. his debut, hand to hold on to, Anton, just coming out of left field with that one. Wow. Oh, love John Cougar Mellencamp. Really? I refer to him as John Cougar Mellencamp every time. <laughs> so do you like Scarecrow, John Cougar? Do you like oh, yeah. Jack and Diane, oh, yeah. John Cougar? All of it. All Paper of it. and Fire, think- John Cougar? All of it. <laughs> I think that like his career is, is super interesting, too, because... Yeah. 
he went through so many different styles, but they still stayed pretty true. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I'll probably get, you know, hung out for this one. I like Mellencamp more than I like Bruce Springsteen. I thought that he was, you oh, know, wow. That's a hot take. Yeah. That's a hot, it's take. a hot take. It's a hot take, but like sometimes Springsteen got too ambitious, you know? Yeah. So, but I really, really like John Mellencamp uh, because uh, yeah, a hundred percent chance because it reminds you of growing up in the Midwest. Hundred percent. That's an Indiana yeah. guy through and through. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, and all of the songs that he has, you know, are just—they're good. He has a good uniform sound all the way through. The yeah. groups that he has behind him are excellent. Um, I've seen them live a couple times. They're—they're they're amazing. Like that whole group, the ensemble yeah. that he puts together for him being as old as he was, and this was like ten years ago. And I mean, oh, he you had a high energy. You saw show. him like yeah. ten years ago. Yeah. And he was good. Wow. And he's really good, yeah. Um, I, uh, I've seen a lot of those older groups. Like, I've seen Ario Speedwagon. Yeah. I saw uh, George Thorogood. Uh, Rod Stewart was amazing. By God, that where'd was you one see, of the best concerts Where did you ever. see Rod at? Uh, he played the arena that the Blues play in oh, yeah, at yeah. the Enterprise okay. Center. Yeah, yeah. And so me and my dad wanted to go because we were both big uh, Rod Stewart fans. And then he... We were going to go, and then we decided not to go, but it was okay because he got sick. So they rescheduled the show for like two months later, and my dad and I bought the last two tickets, and it was badass. Wow, that's good. No, hey, listen, it's uh, it, it, it's good. Uh, it's solid stuff. He's a sm- his. I think if you listen to a lot of John Cougar stuff, you think of him as sort of this uh, maybe a little bit of redneck or anything else, but he's a very intelligent guy when you talk to him, uh, when you hear interviews with him. Very intelligent mm-hmm. guy. He's a painter. You know, he's a real artist. Um, and uh, so, yeah, people yeah. might think of him, not think of him that way. But And, and like, okay, on the, what you noted about Scarecrow, too, when he went to that era, that was him and Willie Nelson, like, working on Farm Aid, you yeah. know, and him yeah. being, like, super well known about the struggle of – the low-income American, and I think that that like that's huge. I mean, right. that that is another thing on the "Every Time I Die" song, that's big too, um, because uh, what I grew up around and, and the things like that, like I know how easy it is for somebody to lose everything they have just by circumstances, you know. Mm-hmm. And Cougar Mellencamp, he always, you know, JMC always had it. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think I, that song though too. Like even the lyrics of "Hand to Hold On To," I mean, everybody can get can listen to that song and just be like, yeah, it's a feel-good song. Did did Pat Benatar do it also? I feel like Hand to Hold On To was a was – a, 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 somebody else did it. I don't know – covered it. I don't know who, but some, I feel like there was another cover of that, but maybe not. Probably. Um, Department of Concerts that I went to, Kiefer and I went to, that um, is was really underrated and you couldn't believe it. Like you talk about your Rod Stewart thing. Uh, uh, Bob Seger. We saw Seger yeah. like two years ago, and dude, it was good. Was good. And that's what my mom said because she saw that same tour. Yep. And she's like, he's old, but yeah. he rips. No, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Also, thanks to the folks at Race Tech. Pulp 20 is the code to save with Race Tech, guys. Get your motor work done, get suspension work done. They got a new valve for the Cowie 250s and YZ250Fs as well, an intake valve that'll uh, outperform the stock one. So please uh, get your suspension work service, get your motor done, and uh, the folks at Race Tech will have you dialed in. So, all right. Next up for Anton, here we go.
course, it's you 2 with or without you. And, you know, Anton, I went to that Joshua Tree tour twice, right? I did the Glendale, and I went to uh, San Fran for it. And uh, you asked me a bunch of questions about it one time, and now I know why. Maybe you were actually into it. You actually cared. I love, I like U2 a lot, especially that era U2. Yeah. Like when they were super young and like high energy. Um, yeah, I was so jealous that you got to go twice, but it also was kind of what we said earlier. It's too big of a show. Yeah. Like I would want yeah. to see them, you know, small. Did you ever watch uh, their live show at Red Rocks, the DVD? I don't think I ever saw that. I, I have the, I have it on my iPod, the the audio of it, but I don't think I ever watched it, no. Yeah, you should watch that if you get the chance because they're young. Like, they are yeah. young, and it's, like, one of their first times in the U.S., and Red Rocks is a gorgeous amphitheater, and it rained. Yep. Um, so they had to postpone the show, and there was a chance that they were going to get electrocuted. <laughs> but they are just ripping. Like, Bono is all over the stage. The Edge is perfect. Like, it was, it's an awesome video. But then, yeah, like, I love the Joshua Tree. That's a great album. It's it's amazing when you look at okay so rattle and hum was a uh, a mixture of live stuff some new stuff and some um, old stuff from the Joshua Tree so when you take that out because it was a sort of a different concept album you take that out it's really fucking hard to beat Unforgettable Fire Joshua Tree and Ak Chung Baby your three mm-hmm. discs in a row I mean it's a phenomenal run War is amazing too like yep, Boy yep. was good all of those yeah it just shows how a band matures and matures and matures all the way until they hit like their peak. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. And, uh, even like, I'm mean, obviously, you know, I haven't liked the last couple from you two. Uh, just, yeah. Like everything, right. They've been together so long and maybe they're out of ideas. Maybe they're out of stuff. I, I liked it. I like it. I'm not a, f- I, I wouldn't say I'm a huge fan of it, but, um, all you can, all that you can't leave behind, which was after act tongue is really good as is, uh, atomic, um, whatever the other one, was after uh, that. the panel on Atomic Bomb? Yeah. Um, that yeah, one, that one was good. That one was really good. Um, and then other than that, I'm kind of iffy on them. But, uh, yeah, just amazing. So Yeah. See, because, like, okay, I remember hearing the songs that I picked for the first time, like, because I was a kid on Friends. Like, they scored a scene to Friends. I was like, wow, that's a great song, like, as a little kid. And then a couple years later, the How to Dismantle on Atomic Bomb CD got really big. And then U2 came back in the limelight, and all the bands that I was listening to were like, well, yeah, we've listened to U2 our entire lives. So I was like, well, I'll get back into it and see, like, what all the hype's about. Because if all these people that I like liked this, then I'll probably like it too. Yeah. Uh, the Joshua Tree, though, that from start to finish on how they recorded it to how they went around mm-hmm. and shot all the photos and stuff, the stories behind that and just the yeah. look and the sound is, is amazing. That's a perfect synergy album. And there's a song on Rattle and Hum called Heartland, and it is, it is a B-side to Joshua Tree. didn't make the cut, but it is, it is also an amazing song. It totally fits in with all the Joshua Tree stuff. I wish they would have put it on Joshua Tree and maybe dropped Trip Through Your Wires. Trip Through Your Wires is the one weak part of Joshua Tree to me. If they had dropped Trip Through Your Wires and put in Heartland, oh, my God, it'd be, it'd be, it'd be amazing. So. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like that's a fun thing, and you probably know this too. When you drive from where you're at in Vegas down to California, or vice versa, when you're driving through and you see all the Joshua Tree, yeah, that's an yeah. awesome album to play as the sun's yeah. going up or the sun's going down. Like you can really you yep. can really have a good time out there. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. It was a great tour, uh, Joshua Tree. I I spent way too much on tickets for the uh, Phoenix one uh, for the Glendale show, and. Uh, it was pretty good seats, and yeah, it was amazing. It was it was great. The the beginning, yeah. they had this massive video screen behind them, so they came out and they played like four old ones: uh, New Year's Day and uh, Unforgettable Fire and um, Sunday Bunny Sunday, and then they went off stage, 
and there was a pure like the, the the lights were out were on, then the lights went off, and then just the, the screen behind them just had like the Joshua Tree imagery, and then they just mm-hmm. kicked, they kicked in with Streets Have No Name. They they played it front to back, and it was just it was phenomenal. I I, I almost had like a religious experience. I'm like this is amazing. Oh, <laughs> so, I was so jealous. I was yeah. so jealous that you when you said you were going once, I was yeah. like, oh shit, because Megan tried to get us tickets, but they were so expensive. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know, and like we couldn't get the schedule to line up. Right. And then when you saw them twice, I was like, this no. motherfucker. No, we flew to Phoenix and flew to San Fran to see him. I drug Pookie along with me, and so then I'll send you after we get off the phone. I'll send you their video. The second show, because of that whole thing about the lights going off and, and, and Streets of No Name coming up, I just made Pookie film it. I'm like, I, I know you like this song, but you have to film this, and I'm going to get into it, and you can film it. And so I'll, I'll send it to you when we hang up. But uh, it was quite okay, a beginning. Sick. All right, next, uh, next up on Michael Antonovich's sound check. The Smiths, well, I wonder. Uh, wow, Anton. Again, I'm not a huge fan of the Smiths slash Morrissey, but I know enough of them and I've heard enough of their songs that that's your favorite Smith song? Yeah, because that's like the the guitar and the music and all that stuff has the big sound that they were really good about, especially mm-hmm. Johnny Marr's guitar playing. Morrissey's lyrics are so crybaby and angsty and so well written that it's all good <laughs> and there's so many other ones that like everybody loves yeah but like that's to me like the quintessential like hey this is just a good mellow smith song everybody knows all the other ones yep. you know yep um and i i love all of them i i really i i have a soft spot a huge soft spot for like 80s new wave yeah, uh duran yep. duran the police like all that stuff i really enjoy right um but the smiths are by far my favorite of all of them, I mean, I named my dog Morrissey because of them, and I'm a vegetarian partly because of them. So there you go. Uh, yeah, Morrissey's got a residency coming up here. If we ever can get our shit together, to, he's, yeah. Uh, he's I don't back, know yeah. if I'm allowed back to see Morrissey though. Right. Do you want to do you want to get into that? We can get into that because it's been like it's been talked about a couple times, but like yeah. This is poor, uh, poor Anton. This this is terrible. Yeah. So. Like, anybody that knows Morrissey and the Smiths knows that, like, he's very inconsistent with his touring. Like, yeah, like yes, you said earlier, yes. Smiths will never be together. Right. Morrissey could put together a 50-run date, and then they could all sell out, and then the day before it starts, he'll cancel or whatever. And when tickets do go on sale, they sell out immediately. So I've seen Morrissey live twice, uh, once in San Diego when I lived by myself, and then once in Orange County and Irvine uh, after I got married. And Megan bought me that ticket. 
So they always play, though, like Nita's Murder was the song that the Smiths are really known for, mm-hmm. especially Morrissey. Yep. And like him being such a hardcore vegetarian, uh, when he played the Staples Center a few years ago, he made them only serve vegetarian food and shit like that. So they'll take it to like a big extreme. But they always played this video of uh, this movie from 1980 or the 80s called Meet Your Meat, and it showed you the factory farming scene. And that plays behind Morrissey as they sing um, Meet His Murder. Murder. Yep. So before that, at that Morrissey Orange County show, they played Gangland, which is like a very good Morrissey anti-authority song, you know, from his like very anti-UK, US period. That's good. Uh, but the video that they showed behind that was like all these police brutality scenes. And then there was a couple times where like somebody's dog got shot, like this pit bull that somebody owned and it just kind of like started fucking me up and I could feel my body getting like really flush. And so then the meet your meat thing came on and I knew it was coming. So I looked down and then I looked up at a certain point uh-huh. and uh, I saw the screen and uh, my eyes rolled back in my head and I passed out yeah. and whacked my face off the concrete floor. And went into convulsions, and I was at the concert by myself. Yeah. So, yeah, so the next thing I remember was waking up uh, with a flashlight in my face and uh, getting, like, stretchered out and then having to call Don and my wife to tell them what happened, uh, and that was terrible. Um, and so, yeah, any time that, like, this song comes on, because it actually does get played a lot uh, out in public or on the radio or whatever for it being such a brutal song, Don or anybody around me is like really quick to bring it up. So yeah, I'm <laughs> kind of like putting myself on a sabbatical from seeing Morrissey. Right, right, now. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that would be terrible. It'd be like me having seizures at Eddie Van Halen concert or something. It's fucking terrible, it's dude. Terrible. It's fucking um, terrible. Because like it it sucked so bad. Just yeah. like I I couldn't go. It stopped me from going to any concert for like a year. Because I didn't know, like, was it the lights? Was it the emotion? Yeah. Can I be around a lot of people? It sucked. And, like, I've probably gone to 300-something concert in my life. So to just have to stop altogether really sucked. I mean, we think it's the lights, right? We, 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 we... No, it was the stuff on screen. Oh, it was? Weak, you think? I have a weak conscience. Yeah. I mean, okay. like I said, I'm a, when I got to the car, I told Don on the phone. I yeah. was like, well, and I was crying because I'm a pussy. Don's <laughs> like, well, what happened? And I was like. Well, I was thinking about my Morrissey at home and how much I love my dog and how could this animal go through this. And Don's right. like, just stop right there. Just stop. And I was like, okay, here you go. All right. So. I thought it was, I thought we had talked about that. It was a little bit of the lights and flashing and everything else and all that. But, um, I was worried about that right. because I thought that that was going to fuck me up for Supercross. Too. Yeah. Right. I was really worried yeah, about yeah. that. Um, my Morrissey concert. So experience was, uh, here is here is now, right? That's is that the mm-hmm. name? Yeah. How here, soon is now? How soon is now is my favorite. Uh, it's a Smith song, right? That's Smiths, mm-hmm. and so that's my favorite Smith song. Not not Morrissey, but and uh, um, obviously it's a super popular one, right? Um, so I go to a concert here in Vegas with my buddy from Canada, Greg, who's a super Morrissey fan, just like you. Smiths and Morrissey lives lives them, lives for them. He flies down. And I go to the concert with him, and uh, I'm, like, into it. Like, whatever. He's loving it, right? I'm like, okay, I know some of these songs. I know that one. I don't know this one. But I am waiting for How Soon Is Now. I am waiting for that song. And, mm-hmm. it, and it comes in the encore. It's the first song of the encore. But there's a fight in the crowd. He, he gets quarter way through it, drops the mic, and walks off stage because there's a fight. And that's yeah, it. The, that- house, the house lights come up. 
And I'm like, I don't see I'm how a- you're upset about this, though, because this is a Morrissey concert in a nutshell. This always happens. I'm he like, has some dramatic walk off, right. and everybody gets pissed. Did he rip his shirt off? Mm, I don't remember, but I'm just like, that's, that's another trademark. I'm like, what happened to my? That's my favorite song. I've been waiting all night. <laughs> I've been waiting all night for that one. So, anyways, yeah. The Morrissey concert thing, like, God, I hope concerts come back soon. But yeah. those were so cool because, especially in California, the Morrissey culture is huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, for whatever reason, Hispanics love Morrissey. Oh, I didn't know and that. And so, okay. you could, yeah, there's even an episode of Anthony Bourdain's show on uh, yep. the CNN yep. thing. And he actually did a whole episode about, like, why do these people like Morrissey so much? Oh. And, like, if you go to a California show, there is, like, very uh, pale, pasty white people like me, and then there is a full fleet of uh, Hispanic people there. And they have full pompadours and uh, denim jackets, and, like, it's awesome. It is The Morrissey culture thing is sick. Yeah. Yeah, It's a good time. Yeah, no, absolutely. All right, next up, here we go. I've never heard of this band. No, I have heard of this band. I've never heard this song. Uh, That was it. All right, here we go. Every time I die, uh, map change uh, from uh, low teens uh, album. Uh, what's what's up with that one, Anton? That is uh, that's every time I die is probably like most popular song, probably one of their better songs. I mean, they're probably their best song, arguably. Um, it's just awesome. I'm a big every time I die fan. I was like really big hardcore kid back in the day, but every time I die has been one of my favorite bands because like the lyrics are great. Uh, Keith Buckley, the lead singer, he's like an English major. He's really smart and well-written. Um, he, he even has like a couple independent publishing book deals too. So like, he's a good storyteller. His brother, Jordan is the guitarist. Uh, this other guy, uh, Andy is the other guitarist too. Andy's a professional wrestler on the side. Oh, they really? are just, yeah. <laughs> dude, uh, Jericho knows about him. Oh, oh but I, like, I mean, I mean, there, there we go. If Jericho knows about him, then yeah. Like, I mean, no, that he's to that level of a professional right, wrestler right, right. while having this full-time band. And then, like, they're just, the Steve, their bass player, just, they kick ass. And I've seen that band probably, like, 15 times, all the way from, like, Warp Tour stages to, yep. there was this place in San Diego called the Shea Cafe, which was on the college campus. Mm-hmm. And it was like going into somebody's garage. But every time I die, it's a big band. Like, they're pretty popular, and they could sell out 
you know, bigger uh, – or not stadiums, but clubs. But to play like a 300-person college campus was just unreal. Like, it was fucking unreal. There would be people that would fly from Japan to come watch them at this place because, like, them going there was such a high-energy hardcore show Mm -hmm. that you couldn't hear anything for like two days later. Right, right. But, yeah – Every Time I Die is amazing. Uh, Map Change is, is an amazing video, too. Uh, I think that I like that one so much because, like, yeah, I can be kind of, like, down and dreary. Right. And the lyrics to it are just, like, you're pretty much hitting rock bottom and you know shit's not going good. Uh, the music video that they shot, they did it in Buffalo, which is where the band's from. And it, it makes it look like Buffalo. You know, Buffalo's not the greatest place. Where I grew up down here in certain places, like, there's a lot of similarities. And I know the people that they showed in that video, I know a lot of people that go through similar shit. And I'm just like, yeah, dude, this is not fucking cookie-cutter, like, multi-million-dollar music videos all the time. This is, like, true gritty stuff. Yeah. No, well said, for sure. Did any of this music reminds you of macaroni and cheese pizza or barbecue chicken pizza? Um... Yes, because this was at a very uncertain time in my life, so yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> fantastic. Uh, good to hear. All right, next up, here we go. Michael Antonovitz from Swap Moto Live, sound check on the Fly Racing Racer X podcast. Soul train, took you with him over coat train. Eric B by the rope chain. RC with a show bang. Tiny Lokes and they go crazy. But you know about the dope gang. Was you born in the 80s? Did your mama smoke cocaine? Have you ever seen the whole thing? But you drove to the streets cause you grew up on show change. Fucked up when the dope bash. It remind me when these rappers dropped us and they quotes change. Had to part with the low fade. I was standing in front of Nick's with my sack for the whole day. Drive-bys, I was road raised. And we park and hop out, learn levels to this whole thing. Old school, play the OJs, trying to make a slow change. Mama still All right, that's uh, Nipsey Hustle. double up. There you go, Anton. Now we're into the rap yep. portion of your sound check. Yeah, I figured if you made it this far, you can stomach two <laughs> rap songs. So, you know, you must be a super fan. Right. Now, he, yeah. he died, right? Yeah. 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 So he got, and that's kind of, that's, there's like a bigger story to all of this, like, which is really why I like Nipsey. I was listening to a lot of him, like late 2018, um, all the way through, pretty much started this year. But uh, I remember hearing that song, and I was uh, Justin Bogle and Frace put it in a video, and I was like, damn, that's, that's a good song. And I heard that, like, right before the holidays in 2018. So I was like, I'll listen to this quite a bit, because I like, like, real smooth, soulful, like, sample-filled rap. Right. And uh, I remember driving home to Illinois listening to it for the holidays and just, like, really getting into it. And then it, it was just cool. Like, it was just a good sound. And then Transworld got shut down. Uh, like right as I got into mm-hmm. him in 2019 and I was just like, fuck man, like, holy shit. Right. And, uh, I just remember listening to a lot of Nipsey through that whole time as me and Don and Dominic and Donnie got swap mode alive off the ground. And it was just like, 
I could listen to that and then just kind of calm down and know like, Hey, everything's going to be okay. I can get through whatever I got going on. It helped me get creative with how I was writing and setting up the website and stuff like that. So I was listening to it a lot. And then just as like everything's starting to go good, him and his wife get a feature in GQ. They shot it all through where he's from in LA. He had had a super successful little uh, shop set up. He gets killed. And it was just like getting the rug pulled out from underneath you because like this person we were like, yeah, I'm going to have all this great music come out. And this guy's about to hit the stride in his career. And he has all these major, major connections and all of this stuff. And it's just fucking over. You know, and I know now like how people felt in the nineties when like Tupac and Biggie right. got shot because they were listening to that stuff for the exact same reasons I was listening to this. Yep. And then it just abruptly gets taken away and you're just like, Holy shit. Yeah. And uh I watched the funeral because like I lived in California at the time and it was I mean meant to it and you're just like, Wow, man, I'll, this one guy, granted pretty checkered past, you know, I'm not gonna dispute that at all. But uh provided for so many people and helped a lot of people get out of their thing. And, and it, that's a good thing to see when somebody gets some fame and they get some accolades and some power that they would rather go take care of that stuff than just look after their own interest. Why did he get shot? Do we know what happened or is this sketchy rap, rap battle stuff that we don't no, know? So he, one of his friends um, that he had known for a long time and just gotten out of prison. This is the story that I heard yep. and it's probably changed uh, over yep. the years, but his friend got out of jail and was coming home and he needed to get kind of laced up with some new stuff. So Nipsey and his family owned this like little uh, retail area and they had just like staple essentials. Like they were going to help him get a phone and some clothes and some stuff like that because the guy hadn't even gone to see his family yet. Like they wanted okay. to make sure he looked good before yeah. he went to see his family. Right. And so apparently Nipsey gets the phone call to go down there to see his buddy gets down there. Another guy that had like recently been involved in like, cooperating with the police against another person um, came by and saw him and was trying to get something from him and they ran him off. And then the guy came back and shot him. Oh, and so, yeah. And like California Twitter, you know, Twitter is, I, I play around on it a lot. And so that was one of those things too, where you saw the medium change because like instantly you heard about it. Like something happened at Nipsey's place was all over California Twitter. And then like, bigger and bigger and bigger. And then I just remember spending that whole day just like refreshing my phone. And then finally the news comes and you're just like, holy shit, you know? Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, great stuff. The Dom Kennedy, uh, he has the, one of the last verses on that thing. I think he has great lyrics there too. Another, uh, California guy, just, it's a cool California style. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a big hip hop guy. You know, I, I know like Atlanta sounds different than New York, which sounds different than Chicago, which sounds different than Houston and Memphis right. and, LA and all that stuff. And so like they have their own unique sound. And I just think like, that's the cool drive down the coast and like, you know, whatever car you got and have fun, you know, and just have a good time. There's probably people listening to this that will tell me that Sammy Hagar sounds just like David Lee Roth and I will fight that person to the death. So I understand that things can be different, but to me, Anton, like Drake, the weekend, that song we just played, it's the same to me. It's just the same. I know I'm I know it's not and I know yeah. you know but that that and I and I just did that analogy about David Lee and Sammy to under, to know that I understand this but yeah, it just, no, and totally. It, yeah, I'm just like, I'm just like, it's just, it's over. It's, 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 you know, a, a smooth beat underneath some, some lyrics that are sort of tuned, you know, and yeah. I'm just like, and I yeah. think, 
Okay. You're not wrong. You're not wrong right. at all. And I think that that also like plays a part in it's one of the same dozen producers mm-hmm. working on beats. Uh, pretty much everybody is featured on the same thing. And it's almost like comical now because they produce such like so much stuff in such rapid fire order. And so like everybody just like one song after another, after another, yeah. after another, yeah. they almost always sound the same. If you're really into it, you can detect like yep. changes in style or what, like, what the beat came from or what they sampled will be different. The Drake thing is funny because like, unless you're a Drake super fan, not a lot of people know this, but he is like very much made fun of and like joked about for becoming like, well, one week he's Caribbean and then the next week he's Arabian and then one week he's from the UK and and now he's Canadian and then now he's from Atlanta. So like he's always changing style and people give him shit for that. But like, if you follow it enough, you can tell like, Oh, okay, this is where this artist came from and this is their sound. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, uh, yeah, no, I get it for sure. Uh, I just that's where my major complaints are with rap. Trust me, but uh, I think the same thing because I feel like all country music sounds the same. It's go, all yeah. about me uh, being in a mud truck with my girlfriend, and we're gonna go get a DUI, and then when I cheat on her, she's gonna blast the windows out of it. And yeah, it's all the same shit. There we go. All right, next up, last song on uh, Michael Antonovich's uh, sound check. Here we go. I said, here we go. Here we go. Cause I decked the nigga and took his work, man. I made it work for me. Come back and kill me. I know this shit was business, man. I never take it personally. Skinny black nigga, rich off rap, sweat on my own back. Niggas ain't show me how to cook at the fuck up my own back. Dumb hot, Marty McFly. Put down the crack bed on myself like I went back to the future with a rap almanac. Got powder on my table, the label called for they offer back. Henry on my line, I ain't got his bread, I can't call him back. Plus, I got a show the promoters, ain't got the dough for that. He lost it, set me back, man. I'm literally selling dope to rap. I can't and need to cope with that. And my uncle died off an overdose. And the fucked up part about that is I know I supplied the nigga that sold. Put a pistol to my head, I was way too scared, drunk off in most. I'm drinking and taking these drugs, cause I can't numb the pain with smoking. Loner, but I hate to be lonely. I fuck a bitch, she fall in love, but I just wanna be homies. If I fall off and get locked up, she might just fuck on the homies. Most niggas die over love for a bitch or having trust in they homies. A skinny black nigga, rich off rap. My nigga, baby mama, fiend, can't keep this bitch off smack. She called the police, now he doing seven years for a sec. He told me, look at this. There we go. Freddie Gibbs, skinny surge. Is that after Suge Knight? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. All right. Okay. Yeah, because Suge is so feared. Uh, Suge is ruthless. And uh, yeah. Freddie's pretty ruthless too. Again, sorry for the uh, you know the N word right off the rip, um, you know. <laughs> but funny. hey, if you got it this far, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but wh- who's Freddie Gibbs? I've never heard of Freddie Gibbs. I'm sorry if, if this if this disgusts you. No, no, that's okay because not a lot of people have. Okay, uh, Freddie right. Gibbs is a guy from South Bend, Indiana. He is by far my favorite rapper. Uh, shout out to my guy Casey Davis who showed me uh, Freddie for the first time. But I like Freddie's style. South Bend. South Bend. South Bend. I wonder if he's ever been to Redbud. Has he been to Redbud? Do we know? I don't know, but his dad and Michael Jackson, Jackson's dad apparently used to, or Michael Jackson used to have a feud and they had a, like a problem with each other. Oh. But like, yeah, it's hilarious. If you YouTube Freddie Gibbs stuff, like his Instagram is one of the funniest Instagrams uh, out there for the stories. It's almost been shut down like multiple times because people get too upset about it. Uh, his shit's funny. He's got a really good comedic sense of humor. Um, yeah, he's just he's a funny guy. He's been around for a while, but he's really in the last like five years hit his stride as far as like mainstream popularity. Um, and people like Snoop Dogg and others will put him on and, and have him do things, but he's just not super known yet. 
Is he old? Is he young? Yeah, I was going to say, so he's not, he's old. No, he's like yeah. in his thirty. Yeah, he's in his like late 30s. Um, honestly, like super diverse backstory too because, you know, he was a drug dealer and then he moved to California. Mm-hmm. And But the whole time he was wanting to be a rapper, so he had to sell drugs to do that, you right. know, which said in the song, which all that kind of goes hand in hand when you want to be that. But then... Him kind of going around, he was signed to Young Jeezy's uh, album for one point in time, but then him and Jeezy had a falling out. So him and Young Jeezy have a super beef with each other, which is funny as hell. And then, um, yeah, he's just been around. He's really, really hit his stride with the last four albums, uh, Pinata, uh, Bandana, uh, Shadow of a Doubt, and then this one that came out this year, Alfredo. So Alfredo came out, that's what this one is from. Um, when we were in Salt Lake City for those last Supercross races. Mm-hmm. And I just remember listening to it because I always go through a routine when I put my camera stuff together. It, it's a great song. Uh, Freddie, Freddie's music, and especially the two producers she works with, uh, Mad Lib, who we did Pinata and Bandana with, and then The Alchemist, who we did Alfredo with, they're really good about making that super grungy, like funky 70s feel where they'll sample stuff from movies or, you know, songs back in the day. So it makes you think that like you're driving in like a 70s cutlass with like a revolver on your lap. You know, <laughs> it's sick. And that's what like growing up in Madison was like. Yeah, it's yeah. Badass. Right. Uh, is Suge still in jail? Do we know? What's Suge doing? I don't know. I'm not what? a big Suge Knight fan. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah. Uh, he, yeah. Some of the stuff that he did, I'm just like, you know, I'm good. I know that. He was in court for something, running somebody over, beating yeah, somebody yeah, up, yeah, killing he, something. I remember right, all that. Like, I remember right. that. That was pretty recent. But, yeah, I'm not a big Suge Knight fan because of other things that he's done within the industry, just like, you know, kind of getting involved in stuff that he didn't need to do and then right. scaring the shit out of it, people and killing them. And, yeah, I'm, he, I'm not a – He goes to the, to the movie set where they're filming a movie about NWA and, and Suge Knight. And then he goes and commits a crime on the movie set by running somebody over close by the movie yeah. set or something. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Uh, yeah, that, I mean, right. just the whole show night story is just uh, terrifying. Yes. But to a lot of people, you can't deny that show night's business works because uh, he established a hell of a label. He, he really did. Absolutely. Soundcheck, Michael Antonovich, we're done. Uh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Some really good stories in there. Some really good stuff as well. So um, yeah, yeah, thank you. No, I appreciate that. I think people yeah, will dig like, it. Yeah. I hope, you know, I'm a big music guy. I think that you are. I've shown that on Twitter quite a few times. I'm always listening to something. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if you like what you hear, hit me up. I'm, I'm always down to share music recommendations. Mathis, I've given you some. Yep. I've given AC some. Yeah, I, there's a lot. There's probably a college education in CDs and band T-shirts <laughs> at my parents' house. Yeah, so. probably, right? It's just it's just pathetic how much we've spent over the years for sure. So bunch of bullshit I didn't need that I really like even thought about going and selling at a record store, but I'm like, they're going to give me 75 cents for this. So yeah, hopefully yeah. my kids one day find all these CDs and they're like, what the hell are these? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Fly Racing Racer X podcast presented by Renthal and Maxis. Michael Antonovich, Soundcheck. Thanks, Anton. Thanks, bud. Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck is that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart, 
There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And, and Magoo was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right. And, right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't have been there. The Hurricane Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think yeah. he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Holland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? Right. They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home, and once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse. I mean, you know, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I pulled fifth and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. Been no problem. My my ego got in the way, you know. The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could you sit there, you didn't even want to ride it. You just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. As the days and the months and the years go.